Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. Russia isn't going to invade hashtag Ukraine as long as the U.S. minds its P's and Q's. That's the first sentence in the description. <laughs> Malakalikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting. All right, welcome in. Welcome in. I I had to cut off Bing Crosby just a little bit early because I know sometimes Facebook gets a little pissy when you play music. I was literally kind of borderline. I was literally just about to say that. Like, all right, dude, fucking cut it. <laughs> I don't know why we went with this one. Maybe because we all wish we were in Hawaii. Yeah, because it's clearly the best Christmas song. It, it's really not. <laughs> it's just the, it's just the dumbest right? one I could come up with uh, as we start this Christmas Eve Eve episode of Libservative. Mele Kamikimaka is the way to say Merry Christmas in Hawaii. Okay. Christmas will be green and bright. The sun can <laughs> shine by day and all the stars at night. I don't know. The, 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 this bitch is just throwing it in our faces. <laughs> that she's enjoying a green and bright Christmas in Hawaii. Well, we're all shipping our asses off. I'll tell you, man. The I was uh, shopping today, finishing up my Christmas shopping. And I came out of the mall. I went to the mall because I wanted a pretzel. I just wanted a what's a pretzel. And that's the main reason I went there. <laughs> and uh, I walk out and it was just pouring down snow. And I was like, what the fuck is this? That's all I got for my Christmas story Oh, for okay. I thought there was going to be something about how delicious the pretzel was. The pretzel was great. It's, I, I was always still, satisfied. I still haven't been to a mall since, since COVID started. And I honestly don't hate that at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. The, the mall doesn't COVID. look like it's doing so hot. I was walking around like fuck. Like Lakeside, there's like three restaurants left in the food court. <laughs> a Chinese place, one place that wasn't open, and then I can't even think of the other one. But yeah, I was like, oof, Lakeside isn't doing so good. Well, so what's new, Dan? I uh, I don't know, but he's Corey Walsh. And he is Dan Griffin. And I'm enjoying a, a delicious martini. I've already had one, and I'm <laughs> more than halfway through this one. So this should be an interesting episode, because we have a lot of, of, of corruption to talk about, and we have uh, uh, a, a white woman getting convicted for, for killing a black guy, so that should be fun. Everybody's got their opinions on that. I got myself some Basil Hayden's over here. I feel like that's just my mainstay at this point. I've started saying Merry Holidays because I feel like that offends everybody equally. It's great. Yeah, you know what also offends everybody equally? <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, yeah? Go fuck yourself. They don't really know what to say back to that. It's like the 2021 Bah Humbug. No, the 2021 Bah Humbug is Let's Go Brandon. Was it? Or at least the reaction to it. Because it's no. what I find interesting about Let's Go Brandon is it's like it's like it's like righties and Trump supporters going right. It's like Let's Go Brandon. We're wink. We're saying it, but we're not really saying it. Meanwhile, 
Jimmy Dore progressives are literally going out there and saying, fuck yeah, Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah, fuck, <laughs> fuck Joe Biden. FJB. Yeah. Let's I uh, just, be adults about this. I just find it interesting that people on the left are the ones that are willing to say, fuck Joe Biden, while the uh, people on the right are like, well, we don't really want to get in trouble, so we're going to... It's funny to say that, because I just saw an article, actually, that... uh I forget his last name, but that NASCAR driver, Brandon, he's like, yeah, it's been it's been tough finding sponsors because my name is so politicized. No, yeah, Sully, that's the good word for it. Well, that's interesting. And because- so I looked into it, and it's in- what sucks for him, though, is like his his racing team, they built from the ground up. Like it was him and his dad. Like they built this little family team. They're newcomers. Oh. They didn't have a bunch of big sponsors and stuff. And then he wins big and he's doing great. But like now all the sponsors don't want to touch him. Maybe he should change his name to Biden. Because <laughs> 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 no one on the right is saying, fuck Biden. Well, that's, uh, that, that would, that would actually be, uh, you want to talk about reverse psychology. That would work Let's out for you. about reverse psychology. What are you drinking tonight, Corey? You said Basil Hayden's? Yeah, I got some Basil Hayden's, then I got some champagne of beers. The uh, oh. the old Miller High Life. Oh yeah, you know. When it I comes to piss water, well. so is that your favorite piss water beer? Yeah, like this or Miller Light. I go, I go PBR. PBR is my piss water beer. I used to drink PBRs a lot. The problem is, I don't even it's know if this is this bad. is is hipster still a thing? Like, do you are you still like allowed to make fun of hipsters? You're allowed to make any fun of any counterculture that doesn't just fall under the fold of consumer capitalism. But are hipsters still around? Like, is that still like a like a, a subculture? I think so. Because it was for a while. It was you couldn't drink PBR because the hipsters took it over. Are you allowed to? <laughs> am I allowed? To, are you allowed to drink it again? I don't know. I'm, I'm out yeah, of the you loop. Can drink it, you fucking hipster. <laughs> <laughs> as I as I wear my girlfriend's uh, let's get let's get baked sweater for. Let's get baked, your Christmas sweater. Yeah, it's, so Christmas. the people that are listening and not uh, watching, you know, we got some fancy Christmas stuff going on over here. I got my Santa hat on. It's a, very, it's a very counterculture sweater that I'm wearing, Corey Walsh. It's it all is. about counterculture. <laughs> uh, you, you, had, you actually had a correction to make from something that we talked oh, about last yes. week. Because, so let's start off with our sloppy seconds. Uh-huh. So we're willing uh, to do week, these things on this show. When we make mistakes, we we correct them. It's just how it is. Yeah, yeah, no. So I remember reading something about this when I said it, and I said that uh, the because uh, we're going off that one article about I forget the girl's name. I think it was Daisy or something like that. She was talking about toxic masculinity being the reason for these shootings, and we said you're kind of just uh, talking about mental health, but just trying to make it with a divisive buzzword. And then in my retort, I was saying that like. Yeah, you know what? These men are doing this because of mental health, but women aren't scaped or aren't scapegoated by this because of the fact that they have higher suicide rates. So I was off on that. What they actually do have is uh, girls attempt and report uh, girls attempt suicide and contemplate it more often, but it doesn't happen. A lot of times they survive more. But what's alarming is as these as the years go on in these recent years, their actual success rate, well, that sounds so terrible to call mm-hmm. it a success rate, but them actually committing suicide is the rate of that is before, like it was like 10 to 14, it was like 13% uh, 
Wait, U.S. suicide rates are rising across age groups and demographics, and youth are no exception. But with the uptick, but the uptick hasn't been equal across genders. Starting in 2007, suicide rate for girls aged 10 to 14 increasing annually about 13 percent compared to 7 percent for boys. And for teens 15 and 19, the rate among girls is about 8 and 3.5, respectively, for the boys. So, boys are still committing suicide more, but the rate for women is jumping up at double digits, like catching up to them, which is not a good thing. You're not talking, and, you, and and we're talking about the Darcy Vandergrift article that we talked about. Oh, the Darcy? About. Yeah. Called her Daisy. And we, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> we talked about last week uh, where... So, actually, and another thing that I failed to mention, I believe, last week was that this was actually an article that was updated. Uh, it was originally penned in 2016 and then updated after the Oxford shooting here uh, locally, by the way. And that actually kind of makes it worse to me. Oh, wait, that was originally written in 2016 and then Ye- updated after Oxford? Yes, yes, yes. That is another thing that I missed, another thing that we forgot to discuss, which makes it a little bit more gross, if you if you yeah. ask me. Because all you're doing well, is you're, get my piggy- article out there yep, while you're, it's relevant. you're piggybacking on it again and saying that uh, <laughs> you know it's toxic masculinity's fault. And here's the thing. If you want to have a discussion about toxic masculinity being the reason for uh, school shootings. I, I have no problem having that discussion. My issue with the article was always you say that simply saying that mental health is oversimplifying the reasons for these school shootings, but then you want to say that toxic masculinity is a big part of the problem, and as if that's not some sort of also oversimplification. To, and that's when Corey uh, came out and gave the suicide numbers that you know he got a little bit wrong, but has now since corrected in that boys are yeah. still committing suicide more but girls are catching up fast yes the the rates of suicide are, are are much higher but but you're right we can't talk about uh mental health being part of the issue and no it's toxic masculinity man and of course i i think i think uh miss vandergrift's uh response to what we're saying would be well, girls don't commit mass shootings. That's what she would say. Right. Yeah, it's 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 more quiet. It's more uh just them the women by themselves that are in mental anguish that are killing themselves. So it's not a burden on society. And I think I so think it's still about it. I think it's still Which is still sad, dude. Like, and that's the thing, is like I think it's still uh it it still has to do with 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 mental health because yes men are more likely to be violent biologically historically that's just the way that it is to take out their violence on others as to where yeah. women are more quiet about it more subdued and as you can see by the numbers that Corey just stated that women are more and that's more a- bringing up their their own suicide rates or, or I should say young girls it's not really grown women that are doing these yeah, things. But. And that, that's from time.com where I got those numbers. That's what people know. So, yeah. I mean, it, so, okay, so here's here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say to Ms. Vandergrift. If you want to blame toxic masculinity for school shootings, okay, fine. I will, I will, I will, uh, I will take that. But what I would respond to her with is extrapolate that into explaining why suicide rates among girls are going up and also why 
a lot of these school shooters, it didn't happen in Oxford, but a lot of these school shooters end up taking their own lives anyway. So it's almost like the suicide rates among young people are going up, but boys, I guess on average, are more likely to kill other people before they kill themselves. Yeah. Still a mental health yeah, problem. It's a, yeah, it's exactly what it is. And trying to, with clickbaity articles, trying to explain away mental health with blaming just the man <laughs> isn't doing us any good because now, like, they like understand what I'm saying. Like when you when you say that and you're explaining away this mental health anguish by toxic masculinity, it's taking away from the mental health issue we have in our country as a whole that affects women and men, to where men might act, or boys might act out. And yeah, and particularly still young people, lives of young women as well, who are just killing themselves. But them doing that, it doesn't get the headlines. It's not as big of a tragedy. It's almost a part of the norm. So people don't really freak out about it like in the mainstream media. One woman, one girl killing herself isn't affecting the lives of everyone around them other than like mentally, but not physically. Yeah, other kids would be sad, but all the kids are still at home on Christmas. That's the thing. So, like something like something like Oxford will get politicized and for good reason because, you know, kid brings a gun to a school and shoots four people. Or whatever it was, kills. What was it four he people kills died? Four people. Yeah, and kills I think four nine people. People were shot. Uh, that's. But but what had happened if if that young man had just pulled his gun out and shot himself in the head at, in in the privacy of his own home? It would have made news here locally in the Detroit metro area. I, Maybe, per, perhaps. Maybe not. I've seen a lot. I know a lot of people that have committed. Well, not a lot, but I've known people that have committed suicide and it didn't make it the news. Like tragic stories of people being found like shot to death. No newspaper, no news. It's a very private thing. But since but since he took out his mental anguish on others at his school, yeah, justifiably it does affect people more. So like there is more news about it. You know, it's it's still a tragedy. And I'm not saying what he did was justifiably. I'm saying justifiably it being in the news, right? Because it has a more sensationalized headline. No, I mean, but and, and our original point, and we'll move on after this, but our original point still stands, which is that you can't say that blaming school shootings on mental health is oversimplification and then go and blame and say toxic masculinity is the problem as if that's right. not and also an oversimplification. Were, yes, those are her words. Those were her words and her article, and that's why we were kind of like, well, what the hell is this? We'd be happy to talk to you, Darcy Vandergrift. Daisy. Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> All I think of is like is the is the was that Donald Duck's girlfriend the uh, the, the cartoon yeah. duck yeah <laughs> I always think of Doc Holiday from Tombstone where he's like you're a daisy if you do oh have you seen the have you seen the documentary on Val Kilmer no on on Amazon no that guy's all fucked up now is he is yeah he's consuming right now yeah he had th- he had throat he had throat cancer and like he got his he got his larynx removed and. It's this this Jesus. whole documentary about how like he still kind of loves his life and it's it's a it's a very it's a heartwarming story the story of Val Kilmer's life I don't think we're going to be seeing him in movies anytime yeah. soon I've been listening to a lot of J Cole you ever listen to J Cole no he's a rapper he's a hip hop artist I know who he is I just haven't uh, consumed consumed his particular brand of uh, the bebops. Like Hip hop, cause that's hip hop. 
I still I listen. Listening. I still listen you to a lot of Curtis Blow. Puff Daddy. Curtis Blow. <laughs> Curtis Blow. Like, yeah, that's you mean. These are the breaks. Talking about the. Oh, I, I thought you're talking about uh, the song by. Uh, oh fuck! Who sings Freebird? That's uh. Leonard Skinnerd. Yeah, the, the Curtis song, <laughs> the song Curtis Low by Leonard Skinner. I thought that's what you were talking about. Just the song Curtis Low, just on repeat. Curtis Blow has a Christmas rap, too. Curtis Blow? Yes. Okay. I'm saying Curtis Low. I know. I, I can't believe we're still discussing this right now. This is what happens when we're not actually in the same room together. <laughs> <laughs> you ever hear of Curtis Low? No. He's a black man that played the dig- uh, If you got what it takes because i'm curtis blow and i want you to know that these are the boys okay yeah. i gotta be careful facebook's gonna kick us off i'm not i'm yeah, real careful you know curtis low was a black man who uh played who uh played his slide guitar for money this, this young boy used to collect pop cans and he'd play all day for him it's a man named curtis low I understand it's about to be Christmas, but are we, are we actually going to talk about anything of relevance on this episode here, Corey Walsh? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Curtis Lowe and Curtis Lowe. Huh? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Was that for Curtis Lowe or Curtis Blow? Okay, that's enough. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, What's man. new, Dan? So, uh... What do you want to start? You yeah. want to start with Ukraine? You want to start with the, the U.S. government violating the Tax Act? What do we Ooh. want to do here? Either or is just so dirty. Domestic or foreign? Where do you want to go? Let's flip a I coin. Where do you want to go? Should you have, a, do you have a, a coin to flip? I don't. So we're just going to start with the uh, U.S. government violating the Tax Act. Let's start with the domestic stuff because I think okay. this, is, this is what affects uh, the people a little bit more. It directly. So we're, we're dealing with, was it 13 Congress members, Corey? Uh, eight Republicans and five Democrats considered by Business Insider, who's done a really great job of uh, uh, kind of looking into this stuff, in the quote-unquote danger zone when it comes to violating the tax act and uh basically insider trading can we are we allowed to say i'm sorry this what i say the The business act Act. no the stock the stock act that's what i meant federal lawmakers and at least 182 stop stop top staffers have violated a conflict of interest law where numerous of congress personally invest in industries they oversee and few face serious consequences legally or otherwise um so yeah so i'm on businessinsider.com and the insider's new investigative reporting project called Conflicted Congress chronicles the myriad ways members of the U.S. House and Senate have eviscerated their own ethical standards, avoided consequences, and blinded Americans to the many moments when lawmakers' personal finances clashed with their public duties. So we're talking about, like, I love it how they just put all these bullet points, and I'm just going to read them. Uh, so, from December 13th to December 17th, Insider published more than two dozen articles and data visualizations that together reveal 52 members of Congress and 182 senior-level congressional, staffer, congressional staffers who have violated a federal conflicts of interest law, 
Lawmakers and top congressional staffers face minimal and inconsistently applied penalties for violating the Stock Act, and that's its and that it's nearly impossible to comprehensively attain public records about senior level staffers' personal finances. Nearly 75 federal lawmakers who held stocks in COVID-19 vaccine makers, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, or Fiverr, Pfizer, in 2020, with many of them buying or selling these stocks in the early weeks of the pandemic. 15 lawmakers tasked with shaping U.S. defense policy actively invest in military contractors. More than a dozen environmentally-minded Democrats invest in fossil fuel companies or other corporations with concerning environmental track records. Members who regularly chide the media, but personally pour their money into at least one of the nation's largest news media or social media companies, including Facebook, Twitter, Comcast, Disney, and the New York Times Company. 16 lawmakers who buy and hold tobacco company stock, including some who have publicly fought smoking. Senators, House members, and top Capitol Hill staffers who will help decide whether the government regulates cryptocurrency and are themselves invested in Bitcoin and altcoin. Numerous Capitol Hill staffers are themselves saddled with student loan at a time when Congress is considering erasing education debt, but congressional staffers get loan repayment perks. The same <laughs> shit that Biden was trying to promise, but he just lied about it because, you know, that's what he does. The role the Securities and Exchange Commissions could play in policing congressional insider trading. Real estate investment plays made by lawmakers who are also landlords. Reasons why some lawmakers abstain from trading individual stocks but th and why they believe their congressional colleagues should too. Which, yeah, so there are some that are like, whoa, yeah, this isn't good. <laughs> but here's what I find so interesting is like, the, like, I, I look at some of these, some of the, some of the people on this list and, and I look at, I, I find it interesting that there's two senators that are in the danger zone, one Republican, one Democrat. We're talking about uh, Diane Feinstein and also Tommy Tuberville, which is weird because he used to. I just remember him as a fucking football coach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's it, it's 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 the it's the people and the interests that they say to have. Like I look at somebody like I, I have to pick on this woman. I'm sorry, I just have to. I have to look at somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is yeah, in she, the, she's your arch nemesis, huh? Who is in the the the, the, the quote unquote borderline camp. <clears throat> and she has interests in uh, the the vaccines, which I find super interesting because she's fighting against vaccine mandates and also is openly and proudly unvaccinated. But she has money in the fucking vaccine. But that's and that's just it. Like these these fucking caricatures, like a Marjorie Taylor Green that would go. Uh, it, it, it's 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 almost an explanation for why she would be playing such a caricature, right? Because I don't think it's this might sound like a bit of a conspiracy theory, but it's it's almost like she she doesn't care so much about gaining support from her constituents as she does about gaining hatred from people on the left to kind of uh, boost up the argument over vaccines. As a way to sort of make sure that her stock interests improve, it's almost like she's playing reverse psychology. Does that make sense? Uh, 
And she's yeah, not the only I mean, one. She's not the only one. She's just an example because I fucking hate her so much. She, she's the worst. The worst. She's probably the worst human being in Congress. Her and Lauren. Yeah, Colbert. she's to the she's she's to the right, uh, or to the left. She's the uh, the imagery of everything they hate about Republicans. Dumb, toothless. Yeah. Uh, to what AOC is to the right. It's just funny to me, but AOC is actually like an intelligent human being. Is she radical? Yeah, is she radical? Or are some of her ideas crazy? I don't agree with all of her policy. I think that she's hypocritical in some of the things she does. But she's not dumb, and you know, and she actually was one of the ones saying that people like. I don't think she owns any any stock. I don't. I think that she's one of the few that actually says that um, people shouldn't own that. New York. Yeah, go to the head of the New York one. Where are you? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She is in the quote-unquote green group, the solid group. She has zero late disclosures, zero staffer violations. Uh, Her her, uh, legible disclosures are fully legible. Amendment filing, zero. Qualified blind trust, no. Individual stock trades, no. So she is, I mean, clean as a whistle. According to business, ins- according to this thing from Business Insider, she's clean as a whistle, right? And you know, it sucks that we even have to say this because of the fact that, like, now we said AOC is good. Let me get back to the actual she. And uh, I'm going. I'm going. To, I'm trying to find Marjorie now. Where's you can just yeah. So where is that? We're on Business Insider. She, she's actually she's actually conflicts. considered solid. But she does have stock trades. Yes, she she's considered solid, but she does have individual stock trades. Nothing else. Nothing else seems to be a problem. So a total of uh, fifty-two Democrats are considered borderline. So these are people that did like kind of shady deals, and like they didn't right away like report it. Where everyone's like, "Well, hold on." And we can get into that in a second, but I want to name off these. So, like, there's so, sorry, there's 52 borderline Democrats, 63 borderline Republicans, five Democrats that are in the danger, and then there's eight Democrat, eight Republicans that are in the danger. And I'm going to name all of them off really quick. So, I'm going to start with the Democrats first. Bo- like, danger that someone is just clearly, blatantly breaking the rules. On the Democrats is Senator Dianne Feinstein, Representative Sean Patrick Maloney, Representative Susie Lee, Representative Tom Sousey, and those are the, that's the five for the Democrats. And then the eight for the Republicans are Tommy Tuberville, Representative Pat Fallon. Go Razorbacks. Sorry, that was for Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> Representative Lance Gooden. Representative Kevin Hearn. Representative Blake Moore. Representative Chris Jacobs. Representative Dan Mauser. And Representative Diana Harshberger. So I was looking into this and like, so the actual article, I'm going to actually just post this straight up article on her page after this. Because it has all the links to these, but then I'll also do a second post, I think, of just the Conflicted Congress actual interactive guide that I'm looking at right now. Because it just breaks down all the great things. Like, it just has this 
every single seat in the house. Actually, no, I'm going to share this page real quick so people can look at it. Um, every single seat in the house uh, is posted up there. And... You know what else I find interesting is that people that have staffer stock act violators are on the the, the borderline uh area and w- w- like I'm looking I I had to go see Joe Manchin. <laughs> I absolutely had to go see where Joe Manchin fell. He has no violations. He has no late disclosures, but he has one staffer violation. So it's like what does that mean, right? So when you're talking about the fact that you have to disclose as a as a, a public servant, we, you have to disclose, you know, your your stock dealings, if you will. Uh, interesting that a staffer, one single staffer violation, puts you in the the borderline area. And I think the reason that's interesting is because, uh, how does that staffer violation affect the actual uh, congressperson? Like, is 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 the is the insinuation that Joe Manchin is using that staffer to to trade for him? Like, is I don't. I, I guess I'm I'm sort of lost on that. Right. Like, how exactly does it work <clears throat> when it comes to uh, what the staffer is doing? I think some of the violations. I think that's basically like the staffer is like the fall guy. Their staffers are the ones that are like this. So from mobile, it sure seems like it, doesn't it? They're basically supposed to report for their congressman that they're working for of like when they made a stock trade deal, like based on the stock act that uh, Obama actually signed into office, you know, good for him. The problem is they put this law, this act in, but then have no oversight for it. And so there's lawyers that were used to work for, congress that are saying yeah it's basically the same you know business insider talks about how when they tried to when they tried to uh like look into this and they like, getting a hold of the different institutions that would keep files on this stuff they're like oh yeah uh we don't really know like, and and here's, like so here's the other thing, no right? So so I go look, I go look at somebody who's in the danger zone, right? I've, I had I had to look at uh, uh, Tommy Tuberville, right? So Tommy Tuberville has a hundred and thirty two late disclosures compared to a guy like Joe Manchin who has zero and only one staffer violation. Tommy Tuberville has a hundred and thirty two late disclosures, zero staffer violations, uh, uh, legible disclosures, fully legible. Uh, amendment filings, none. Uh, qualified blind trust, no. Individual stock trades, of course, yes, if you have 132 violations. But these 132 violations total $894,000. Um, and Tommy Tuberville said that he uh, paid and the, the applicable fines under the Stock Act, but did not provide proof. So what's, yeah. what sounds silly is that it's, it's like, okay, so you basically all you have to do so you can violate the Stock Act, then all you have to do is just pay the fines. And that's saying he actually did that. Yeah. So real quick, while I have this, I just I did share the page. So this page just shows you the left and the right, uh, the people who are borderline, 
which borderline is basically probably still shitty. They just were able to cover their tracks a little bit better. And then the other ones are just blatantly do it. But yeah, there's far too many yellow and red dots in there. And that's just the house. <laughs> that doesn't include like, Diane Feinstein here, or Tommy Tuberville. Here, 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 here. Uh, well, up here is the Senate. It's Yeah, it's up a little further. It can't be seen on the yeah, screen. Sorry. There we go. There it is. So up here is the Tommy Senate. and Diane. Sounds like a like great. How many of these senators are in the yellow? Sounds like a John Cougar Mellon. And like you song. can click on all the names and like so I just Dick Durbin, just click the random one, uh, staffer violation, you know, and like so it breaks down everything about these people. So we're definitely going to share this on the page so people can take a look at it and see what they have to say about it themselves. But we have far too many of these people in here. Uh that are just taking full advantage of insider trading. And then just because, and then like their loophole is, oops, we just didn't report it. And they're like, okay, $200 to where it's almost like, and like, so at the beginning of this article right here, can I give you I'm one? on the insider oh, go again. Go ahead. I was just going to say, can I tell you one that's really interesting to me? Cause this is a guy you hear about a lot when it comes to, you know, fixing Washington, right? It, it, it's 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 almost in like the the Joe Rogan camp of political thinkers. That kind of sounds silly to a lot of people, I'm sure. I'm looking at Dan Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw. Yeah, he's borderline, right? He's borderline. He's had eight late disclosures. Uh, he's had one amendment filing, and he's got individual stock trades. But Dan Crenshaw, the uh, uh, re- Republican from Texas. Is is a guy that's that's like viewed as kind of one of these, one of these outsiders, one of these good guy outsiders, not not bad guy outsiders like a Marjorie Taylor Greene or a Lauren Boebert, but he's often viewed as like this like this level headed guy, the, the kind of guy that if you're uh, uh, a soft centrist or somebody who's tired of the bickering between the left and the right, like Dan Crenshaw is the kind of guy that you look at his track record and he's kind of an outsider. He's a guy you root for. Uh, and to see him on the borderline list with eight missed disclosures, or what did, what did I say it was? Uh, yeah, eight late disclosures. That's, that's super interesting to me. I don't really know what to make of that. Uh, yeah, it actually kind of buzzed me out because I kind of like when you listen to Dan Crenshaw... Like when he's on uh, Joe Rogan, uh, his actual podcast, it's called, uh, I think it's called something truth. Oh, we hold these truths. I think it's what it's called. And he has these decent conversations. Like he's on there talking about how he does believe in climate change. He just doesn't know how the money is going to be spent. He doesn't know how much human, like humans actually have on it. Like he's not, he's not a doofus, you know, but so it, it does bum me out a little bit that he actually is just. Falling right into the fold of just profit over people politics. It says he violated the Stock Act eight times, totaling at least $8,000, which, all right, it's a small sum compared to Mr. Tuberville. Uh, right. Said he refused to comment or did not respond when asked about paying applicable, applicable fines under the Stock Act. So we don't know if he paid his fines. Right. Then you have people um, like Nancy Pelosi. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's a free market. So, 
We should be able to participate in that. Meanwhile, her husband is the one. And that's what I find so interesting about a lot of the, like almost everybody that's been actually answered questions on this has said the same thing. I don't have anything to do with it. I have a, a private. Right, yeah, they all just go, oh. I have oh, a private that investor. Husband. That's what, that's what or, or what did Marjorie Taylor Greene say? She said something about like she has a private firm and she doesn't, you know, she never says anything. She, she doesn't direct any trades. Right. So it's like, all That's right, Marge. All right, Marge. So what you're telling me is like, if you hear right, something, Diane Feinstein. if you hear something in Congress, you don't go to your guy and say, well, this is happening. So maybe you should consider this. It's bullshit. Right. That's exactly what's happening. And then like, so like we were saying, Obama did put in the law where he goes, okay, well, we're going to do the stock act, which was, uh, what was it? Stop. Ooh. Uh, real quick, look up what the stock act stands for. And I'm gonna read. You running out of room on your was there? actually. Well, I was gonna. I was gonna read some of this stuff. I got uh, you. I got you. I'm on the uh, Business Insider still, and it's like the Staff Stock Act violations tracking is damn near impossible. Well, it, tracking impossible in 2021, and so we have a couple of these names here that like put in their two cents about what exactly is going on here. And so this girl named Kimberly Leonard says, theoretically, you can call to obtain copies of congressional staffers' personal financial disclosures for Senate records. So I'm, I'm guessing congressional staffers, I might have been wrong, actually. Congressional staffers' personal financial disclosures, that's implying that the staffers are also tra- trading in stocks and such. For Senate records, are 20 cents a page, but when we tried, our calls either went to voicemail or we were asked to fill out forms to retrieve these records, a process that could take weeks to obtain these records without an indeterminate weight or great expense or without playing phone tag with the Office of Public Records. You have to physically go to Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and this information is only readily accessible via computers located in windowless rooms in the House Cannon Building basement and the Senate Hart Building. <laughs> Kamala... Dicala says, some wonder, why does that matter? Why do we spend countless hours looking at these records? Well, senior congressional staffers regularly have access to sensitive information that lawmakers are getting in closed-door meetings that have not been available to the public. Warren Rojas says they could also be taking advantage of these privileges and making certain well-timed stock investments which could go against current regulations. Kimberly again says, by law, congressional staffers whose salaries exceed certain annual thresholds more than 132,000 in 2021 and 131,239 in 2020 are required to disclose what stocks they brought and sold. Back in August, we at Insider realized that the only way to find out whether senior congressional staffers are violating the law through late filings or potential conflicts of interest would be to manually check every single financial disclosure and reported stock trade. That meant spending endless hours on Capitol Hill scrolling through the ever-changing financial records. They had to sift through 83,000 filings, or 8,300 filings, and more than 4,400 from high-ranking House staffers and nearly 3,900 from high-ranking Senate staffers. So, like, they literally make it just so hard to even figure out where the Stock Act is. There's no oversight. No one's actually checking this stuff. And that, like, that's why they're able to get away with a lot of them just saying, "Yeah, we reported that." It, you know what? And it would so so. What that tells me is it's it's a it's a a flaccid 
penis act is what this is. It's there, there's no there's no oversight of this. So I, I actually brought it up, and the long title of the act is an act to prohibit members of Congress and employees of Congress from using non-public information derived from their official positions for public benefit and for other purposes. Other nicknames for the act: Stop Trading and Congressional Knowledge Act of 2012. Stop trading. Yeah. Of, yeah. Stop trading the Congressional Knowledge Act. That's what it was. Yep. Very That's simple. And it, it, and it was a bipartisan bill and they're all gleefully happy to sign it because they knew that on the other end of it, there would be no. Yeah. Why? Because to... it's an easy way to go to the public and say, see, here's this law. We can't be corrupt now. We're not actually going to enforce this shit, but we're, there's, we you see, the we can. Act. We've, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we ended corruption. It's absolute, it's absolute and complete nonsense. And here's the thing about this. Like, I look at this. Let me, let me, let me pull it back up here. Shit, I already lost it. Uh, here we go. Uh, I look at this and I'm looking at this map, the map that you had just thrown up on the screen there, Corey, of the Senate and House and all the reds and the blues, or the reds and the, the greens and the yellows. And I'm not surprised. But I am surprised. Like, I'm surprised that there aren't more reds on here. I'm surprised that there aren't more people in the danger zone. Well, that's what I'm kind of getting at with the borderline ones. You know, uh, when you actually try to, like, there's no oversight over the Stock Act initially. Like, so how did Tommy Tuberville get busted for 132 violations? I don't think any, I don't think anybody else is even close to that. I think that just shows just how dumb some of them are. <laughs> Repu- hey! You're talking about a Republican from Alabama now, Corey. Easy. <laughs> like this one girl talked about how she went to that building to like look up these different filings. And she goes, the first computer, uh, this was the Warren. Uh, what was her first name? Let me scroll back up. Business Insider needs to get their shit together. What do you mean? Uh, I actually think this map is fantastic. Warren Rojas. Oh yeah, no, I'm just I'm on their page and like they have so many different ads and stuff that it's just slowing the page down. Ah. Warren Rojas. She went on to say that uh um where is it at? The worst time suck was the day I showed up at 9.30. Nope, it was right after that. The first computer failed to boot up properly. The staffer tinkered with it for a little bit before sliding over the next terminal. That one wouldn't even turn on. He made a call. He nodded knowingly before hanging up. And then the staffer asked if I can come back later. And I said about returning within the hour. And he's, could you make it after 2 p.m.? The staffer countered. It's like the computers that people are using to look this stuff up. It's just they put in so many barriers for everyone to have oversight. And when the overseers are the people themselves, you know, it's like they have no... When the ones that make the legislation to oversee themselves aren't doing the due diligence to even make sure the computers are turning on, so when someone else comes in to look at it, oh god, oh. it seems a little fishy. Sorry, I just I just pulled up Mitch McConnell and his his picture just terrified the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> so so how did we get so off track? One year after the Stock Act became law, Congress quietly and quickly passed another bill that amended it. President Barack Obama signed into law this amendment gutting amendment gutted language that would have made it easy to search congressional staffers financial records that's how they all ended up in specific databases that could be accessed only on the hill even the data on members of congress while posted publicly online and accessible to anyone with an internet connection is clunky for example 
or is clunky. For example, there's no way to see how many members of Congress invest their money in a particular company except to look at every member's individual filings. So, like, they can, they literally put speed bumps over, like, every single avenue to actually look into this. And them themselves, obviously, based on the idea that the computers aren't even working, aren't overseeing themselves. Mm. And they're just letting it slide and letting it happen. And it's just, it's insane to me that these guys are just in there just trading stocks. They have different stop gates put in place where congressional staffers have access to different loan forgiveness programs. And the average American doesn't. Biden promised it. He failed on that. It's The system, as designed, doesn't allow reporters or the general public to independently verify whether congressional staffers and members of Congress are paying fines associated with violating the stock tax filing requirements. We are mostly left to rely on the word and honor of congressional staffers and lawmakers who have violated the stock tax. So, so what do you, so what do you do to fix it, right? Because a lot of the, a lot of the excuses about this have to do with, oh, well, it's my husband or it's my wife that does this, or I have a firm that does everything for me, and I don't ever get involved. It's just so easy to pass it on to so what do we just do we not let Congress people get married or they have to they have to they have, you have to get a divorce I I when mean, you join Congress blind trust maybe maybe a 401k that you're only allowed to make decisions on it like three months in advance maybe including for I'm your spouse sure. you know when you're a public servant you give up certain rights. And I don't think there's any right that we have all these people dumping money into COVID vaccines or pulling money out to liquidate their assets right before they're about to announce different bills, uh, bills and acts and things like that, that are going to definitely change the pocketbook and the policies of the day to day to Americans. Um, what was it? <laughs> Someone asked, uh, what's her face? Pelosi recently. They're like, what do you think about this? And then, First time she's probably ever even said the words was it free well, market. It's a free market. Free market. It's a free market. And it's like, yeah, is it? Is it a free market when you guys are making doing insider trading? When people were trading based on Nancy Pelosi's trading plans, because obviously she has no inside deals, to the point that a bunch of people were coming successful and then Twitter blocked that face that Twitter account that was telling you all of her stock trades. That's not fishy, is it? The Ghislaine Maxwell uh, case trial Twitter that was following all the updates of that getting blocked on Twitter. That's not fishy, is it? Meanwhile, Taliban is still on Twitter. <laughs> well, that's just freedom of speech, Corey. That's just that's freedom of speech. <laughs> You're right. I forgot. I mean, this is great though. Like it's it's so much. It's so great that like stuff like this is coming out because. The more, the further and further we dive into this stuff, the the more and more you know, you and I talk about this, even though we have a small following. But like the the, the people in the new media, media that are bigger than us, you know, the Joe Rogans, the Kyle Kalinskis, the Crystal Balls, the, <coughs> the Sagar and Jetties, the Jimmy yeah, Doors, those are the one. Though you know, the fact that that, that more and more Tim of this Poole stuff might is even coming pick out. This one up. Tim Pool might even pick <laughs> this one up. Yeah, and then his name Tim Pool. What's his name? Oh, who is it? Uh, Ruben. Oh, he's Dave Ruben. That just he's the one that just got booted off of uh, <laughs> YouTube for no reason. It's always for funny? no reason. 
But you can't silence it, it. You can't silence it forever. And and like, it, I think this ties a lot into uh, what I'm going to go into in my monologue, which is the uh, the ability of workers to take back power. Like, this is the first time in a long time people are actually taking back power. I think you could argue in over a hundred years where people are paying attention. The problem that we have here is that we still have the overly woke left and the QAnon crazy right that are still dominating way too much of the conversation when you look on social media. It's so it's it's weird because it's like it's like we're almost there, right? Because like right. Corey, let me ask you this question: If you showed this Business Insider thing to somebody that's on like the QAnon left or the super crazy, or I'm sorry, did I just say QAnon left? Did that just come QAnon out of my mouth? Right. <laughs> the QAnon right or the overly woke left? If you showed this to them, what kind of reaction do you think you would get out of them? Because I look at that and I go, well, for the first thing they're going to do, so let's say you're on the overly woke left, the first thing you're going to go is do, do is go look at all the Republicans. The, that's the first thing you're going to do, right? Yeah, you're going to look for all the Republicans and not the Democrats. And, and then explain away the opposite side. You're going to make excuses, right? When in real, you're going to go, oh, Tommy Tuberville has 132 violations, but uh, Dianne Feinstein only has, let's see, I'm actually pulling her up right now. She only has the one late disclosure and three staffer violations. Why is she in the, uh, why is she in the danger zone? Instead of <laughs> recognizing how similar they are, like Tommy Tuberville, Tommy Tuberville's probably just a bigger idiot. <laughs> right. Like the corruption exactly. is still the same. That, yeah, he's just he's just not as good as hiding it. And then and then the, the opposite the opposite on on the right. I don't really know how you're going to explain away 132 violations for Tommy Tuberville, but they'd find a way. 132. So it's insane. That's that's. It, it's so interesting because you, when you look on social media, you don't see it. All you see is the bickering and the pissing and the moaning. But more and more and more in private, people are having these conversations with each other. Because if that's the case, if that's not the case, I should say, we wouldn't be having this labor movement that we're having. Like, you can't sit there and pretend like this giant labor movement and all these strikes from all of these huge corporations. You can't sit there and say like, oh, that's all Democrats doing that. Or that's all Republicans doing that. Or that's all Trump supporters doing that. Or that's all no, Obama Democrats doing that. Clearly, it's both sets of people doing that. Otherwise, it wouldn't be this big of an issue. Right. But that's by design. You know, like it's because it is like a more of a class issue than anything. And it's by, by design to like divide the people and go, oh, well, those Republicans that are doing that, like you said, or oh, those are Democrats that are doing that because people just don't want to work, Corey. They don't want to work. Dog whistles on both sides that just literally make people entrench against their own interests to wave that democratic flag or wave that republican flag when both parties are trash but don't you think more and more people are realizing that's the case i think so like more and more people so. are seeing this for what it is more and more people are realizing that okay that that guy over there voted for trump i don't like donald trump but it's not a reason let me go talk to that person i do i think right. it's a slow build but it, it is happening more and more. And I can say that because I'm one of the people 
that is that is there. I'm one of the people that had that Trump derangement syndrome. I'm one of the I'm one of those people that was like, I'm not talking to you anymore because you voted for Donald Trump. And slowly over time, I've become less stupid and realized what's going on here. You just you got out of your feelings. I wouldn't say it's about an intelligent thing. It's just some people let their emotions cloud their judgment. Fair enough. And Trump was real, real easy to, uh, was real good at triggering people's emotions for good or ill. He was a showman. He literally was a heel (laughs) from like a WWE SmackDown event. Oh yeah. That's all (laughs) politics is now. It it really is WWE. It's, it's all about, (laughs) it's all about good versus evil and who you like versus who you don't like. And it's all a show. Speaking of Trump. Oh boy. I got a funny video. For oh you. boy. Um, here, let me screen share this real quick. So. Okay, so- just sit down, please. <laughs> I thought that was coming from my computer. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, That's so enough. Put down the mic. You're seeing people talking about uh, these damn Trumpers. These damn Trumpers that are uh, not getting their vaccines and stuff, right? But we all know as evidenced by January 6th, how fast they all stopped their little coup attempt. I put that in quotations. Uh, when Trump finally came out after sandbagging for like four hours <laughs> and said, everybody go home, and they all just did. So they take him at his word. So I have this video here of of good old Trump. Um, I'm going to maximize this. Actually, I'm not. Give me a fucking break. All right. You kick at bar? What's going on? I can't hear anything. You can't hear it? No. <laughs> oh, jeez. Did you did you share it? Did you screen share it? Yeah. I can't. Yeah, it's screen screen. I'm still waiting for it to load. I don't understand why my computer is being done like this. There it is. There we go. You see? Now it? we're up there. Now we're cooking with peanut Something oil. Something that was historic. We saved tens of millions of lives worldwide. We, together, all of us, not me, we. we He's got, got a, a great memory, this done, guy. Three vaccines done and tremendous therapeutics like Regeneron and other things that have saved a lot of lives. We you are a rude, done. terrible person. You shouldn't be working. It was supposed to take from five to 12 years. Because of that vaccine, because of that vaccine, Millions and millions of people. I think this would have been the Spanish flu of 1917, where up to 100 million people died. This was going to ravage the country far beyond what it is right now. Take credit for it. Take credit for it. It's a great what we've done is historic. Don't let them take away. Don't take it away from ourselves. You're playing that. You're playing right into their hands when you sort of like, oh, the vaccine. If you don't want to take it, you shouldn't be forced to take it. No mandates, but take credit because we saved tens of millions of lives. Take credit. Don't let them take that away from you. Okay, so the president made news. Do you agree with that? Right? <laughs> Both the president and I are vaxxed. And, uh, take the booster? Yes. I got it too. Okay, so. That's a very tiny group of it. And he tried to downplay. It's like, oh, just a couple people over there. <laughs> but like, so that that is a spit directly in this whole narrative that it's all, it's these Trumpers. It's not Trumpers. It's just these 
crazies. You know what I mean? And like when he when he talks about the mandates, I a hundred percent agree with him. I it's weird. I am on the same page. I agree with him too. I hundred percent agree with him too. It should be used, but it should never, 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 ever be forced. Because it's the way that cracks me up. It's the way that it's portrayed. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. It is the way that it's portrayed. But uh, it's just it cracks me up that like a lot of his the Trumpers you could hear in the crowd were cheering, but the anti-vaxxers were booing them. Mm-hmm. And it's like everyone's like, oh, these these Trump people, they don't want the vaccine. And it's like, well, I don't know if they're Trump people anymore. They might be off the rails on their own little thing because Trump is out here telling them to get the vaccine. Yeah, saying, Corey- this, is, this was us that did it. Don't let them take that away from you. Which is, which is, which is, uh, you know, a little bit of hyperbole, but whatever. I don't really give a shit because that's just Trump being Trump. I really don't care what he said. Uh, but uh, what I can tell you is like, pay attention to what the fuck is going on around you. Pay attention to what's going on around you because I, I can tell you definitively. I know people that voted for Donald Trump. I know people that, you know, do the let's go Brandon chant and they're, you know, they think they're saying something that isn't, they're not really again, saying anything. I'll say just fuck Joe Biden because yeah. I'm an adult. People that are are in support of Donald Trump, hated Joe Biden from the from, from, from Jump Street, you know, people that would normally be considered anti-vaxxers that are vaccinated twice with a booster. You know, it, 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 these, and these are people that are Trump supporters. So right. relax. And nobody ever wants to talk about the black community that doesn't want to get vaccinated for reasons that are legitimate because this country's got a horrible history of experimenting and, uh, placing the burden for these types of things on poor people, a.k.a. black people, right? No, you can't say that, Dan. I can absolutely say that. <laughs> I have no problem saying that because that's that's factual. There are There is a large population of the black community that doesn't trust this vaccine. Well, are they, are they Trump supporters? Either. Are they Trump people? The Hispanic community, yeah. They are, apparently. They just red pilled themselves right into their mega hats and Trump flags. Because it's only Trump supporters that aren't for the vaccine. Didn't you know? And that, and I mean, that's, it, it's just, I'm just, I'm just so, I think so many of us are so tired of having this argument. I'm so tired of, and that actually brings us into our how woke is too woke, which we can actually do right now. If you would like Corey, um, I'm just so tired of, I'm so tired of arguing about the fucking vaccine. I'm so, like, I can't, I'm, I'm just burnt out on it. Aren't you? Right. Yeah. No, I am. It's like, at this point, it's either people are going to get it or they're not. Short of just an autocratic authoritarian regime of forcing people to do it. All these tropes are getting thrown around where it's like, but your individual liberty is a responsibility. And it's, what is it? Um, yeah, sure. Your the individual liberty uh, affects my individual liberty because you might give me the the Rona. And even like, though, well, we, even though, vaccine. even though we know getting the vaccine, we know this now. This isn't an argument. There's no argument to be had. Even though we know getting the vaccine does not prevent you from getting it or spreading it. 
Right, but in, you know, the science is the science. It definitely saves you yes. from having any sort of real bad case, which yes. is why it should be definitely uh, promoted. But at what cost? But the 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 the, the argument of your saving other people's lives by getting the vaccine has been utterly disproven at this point. Would you because agree with that? Not. You can literally, yeah. Look at uh, Australia. When we just talked about that about a couple of weeks ago with yeah. their COVID camps, you're only allowed in their country if you have a vaccine. So if you want it, and they're still and they're still spreading COVID. So if you want it, go get it, and that's it. Please go get it, like, especially yeah. if you have any sort of immunocompromised situation. Like the vaccine is legitimately saving lives, but we shouldn't be holding people down or holding their livelihoods hostage. By forcing them to take a vaccine. I thought body autonomy was body autonomy. Getting the vaccine may save your life. In fact, there's solid evidence to say that it probably will, especially if you're immunocompromised. You getting the vaccine, you getting the vaccine is not saving my life. Me getting the vaccine is not saving your life. And that argument needs to be done with. We have to be done with that. Because it's bullshit. Because it's... Dr. Robert Malone, the one who created the mRNA uh, technique, he said this style is a leaky vaccine. It protects you. You can still spread it. Yeah. This is about protecting yourself. The vaccine isn't doing anything. It has an efficacy rate of thirty percent against the Omicron variant. But then you get in, then, then you get into the, the whole right habit. Then you get into the whole. Well, if you didn't get the vaccine, well, then you just shouldn't receive medical treatment because you didn't go get the vaccine. And that goes right into what we're talking about right now. People being pissed off at imaginary figures in a painting. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm actually going to pull it up now if I can find yeah, it here. You can do the screen share. I can um, do the screen share. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just so people can see what the picture is. Here we go. Let's so, share. For context, there's a very famous photo, and it's called Nighthawk. And I'm sure everybody's seen it. And it's that photo of the tavern. There it is right there up on the screen. That photo of the tavern. Or they even they said diner really, yeah. With people inside of it, you know, and I think it's a couple. Like I think it does like Marilyn Monroe, Dean Martin, or uh, Frank Sinatra in there and stuff. People who died who are just in there in the in the uh, cafe. This new photo showed up of this photo that you're seeing on the screen right now of a man in a full bodysuit standing outside of a crowded restaurant. Zooming in a little bit. There we go. And I actually shared it on my personal page and I said it's sad how contorted people have become so afraid that an image of normalcy has people commenting wishing death on imaginary figures in the painting and people are posting all of these crazy comments this person goes in the immortal words of James T. Kirk and it shows a picture of Captain Kirk and it says let them die and then they're like the only smart person there. <laughs> oh yeah, you have the comments up. Perfect. Here we go. Yeah. A few more comments. This is how I feel with my medically complex son and people who think the pandemic is over. Which okay, that's a warranted reason, but like again. Since when did this become Trump country? <laughs> <laughs> uh Hold on, I got, I got to find another couple good ones. Yeah, but the whole point of this is this is our how woke is too woke, and and this and and how woke is too woke. Too woke is when you are so 
contorted by as you and that was a great word you used, Corey, by the media perception of COVID and 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 how it's how it's deadly and how you're a murderer if you don't get the vaccine and you're a murderer if you go out without a mask. To where you're looking at a fucking fictional painting and you're actually mad at the people in the painting. That is that is that is too woke in my view. Yeah. <laughs> Joanna Parrish, this is me outside. Here we go. In the immortal words of James T. Kirk, let them die. Like and this is how this is how <laughs> some the people- air around the crowd should have a bunch of tiny red dots. What about those people inside are vaccinated? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They're not wearing masks, matter. and there's too many people in there. He's just waiting outside to bag the bodies. But like, so when when you think liberal, Corey, what do you think of? Because what I think of is I think like old school hippie. I think like peace and love and health, right? I'd like I'd like to think that. But, but... no, 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 no. Now it's like these people just need to die. Like I've never, I've never thought of like somebody who's leftist or liberal, like rooting for people to fucking die. That's what, that's what they're doing. What, when I think of liberal, the most recent example is the whole Sarah Silverman, Joy Reed thing. When, uh, Joy Reed shared a, uh, a tweet. So DeSantis, I guess Florida doesn't have its own, national guard like its own little like like state national guard or whatever and uh so desantis was like yeah we're going to you know uh create like a new national guard to help with so we don't have to rely so much on the federal government to help with national disasters and things like this and i guess there is a little caveat he was saying that he might use it to help with border patrol and things like that which i do disagree with but a sovereign state is allowed to sovereign. Mm-hmm. So, Joanne Reed shares this article talking about how he is going to, he wants to reestablish, you know, the the civilian military to help with these different issues and stuff. And Joy Reed goes, so you all know this is fascisty, fascisty bananas, right? Mm-hmm. And Sarah Silverman, super super liberal said, please read the article before you post this stuff. You're a news outlet. The truth has to matter. And she was getting dragged through the dirt for pointing out that, like, hey, let's let's uh, let's stick to the facts here. And so when I think of liberals, I think of the people that are attacking her. Unfortunately. That's sad. That's the way they've contorted themselves and painted themselves. Yeah, it's all of this. So you think of the bad version of, of what a liberal is supposed to be. I, th- I, st- I still have, like, yeah, these old the reminiscent memories of what a liberal is supposed to be. Well, they've turned into leftists. Well, even though that's not fair. No, other way around. Just so like Jimmy Dore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a classic liberal is someone who's fighting for the rights of everyone and going out and like putting boots to the concrete to show force, to show the government, to, to tell the government's over. That mandates are wrong. That would be a liberal thing. You would think. Here's a here's a fun one for you. I'm looking I'm looking at this particular comment. It says unvaccinated should pay their hospitalization bills. That is the (laughs) absolute opposite of liberalism. (laughs) Because they should all have health care. They should all have goddamn health care. The liberals have gone from like a fundamental like archetype 
of fighting for like equality and justice for all and have turned into these just it's like they've ran out of things to fight so now they're just all up in their emotions just fighting themselves at this point fighting themselves it's insane man like when did the liberals get cucked by big pharma uh when covid started is funded yeah 74 percent of the fda is funded by these pharmaceutical companies why are you not mad about that but the cdc says our government dollars paid for, you want to talk about equality our government dollars paid for all the funding to for the research for these vaccines but now these big corporations are protecting the patents and not giving it to third world countries like south africa where the new variant happened that is now all of a sudden ravaging everyone to where it only has 30% efficacy rate to where maybe if we were passing out this vaccine to people all over the country, there wouldn't be a variant. All over the world, but you no. mean? All over the world, yeah. yeah. You know, South Africa is down there trying to reverse engineer the Moderna vaccine so they can give it to their own people. But it's Money all about saving lives. It. It's all about saving lives. We have to get vaccinated so we can save lives. But Unless those lives them. are the lives of poor people so that new variants can get created so that we can bring them over here and we can keep distributing the vaccine and Big Pharma can continue to make money. Right. But and no, I'm sorry. Sorry, Corey. I just sounded like Alex Jones there. People are going to accuse me of being Alex Jones. You crazy tinfoil has some bitch. I'm such a piece of shit. I'm okay being a turn of them. Putting chemicals in the water turns frogs gay. <laughs> you don't want to talk about Ukraine, Corey? Yeah, can we talk about how that's just one thing that everyone's freaking out about, saying you're about to go to war when we're not? No, but isn't it interesting how we're able to continue to keep the American people afraid of war all the time? All the time. It's propaganda, man. You know, Obama made it legal in 2012. Made so propaganda illegal? Actually made propaganda legal? L- Legal, yeah, under the NDA, NDAA Act. Yeah. It was illegal in America since 1948, and then he repealed it under the N- the National Defense Authorization Act in 2012. He made it so <sighs> we can propaganda, we can use propaganda to fight propaganda from foreign countries. Corey, did you know that if you say that Obama did anything wrong, that makes you a racist? So you need to be careful. Everyone's a racist these days, Dan. <laughs> Everything is racist, including is racist. my microphone. I don't know how, probably because... I don't know. Maybe it's not the right Good. shade of color. Because <laughs> it's black. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's literally what's going on right now, right? So Hockey. Why the puck got to be black? And why does the puck have to be black? Because the, the ice, ice is, is white. white. <laughs> 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 All right. So what's funny about this whole Ukraine thing is it ties into a bunch of stuff that's happening right now. It ties in Obama. It ties in Julian Assange, even. Obama. It ties in Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Obama. Um, but so in 2014, you know, uh, the U.S. wanted to basically stage a coup. It was the Median, the Euromedian coup that happened in Ukraine when it was actually far right. Here, so I have it written down right here. The Americans used secret tactics to initiate a coup to plant a pro-Western government in place in, Korea, in Ukraine, teaming up with Nazis. They're little, literal Nazis, dude. 
where the ultimate plan was to take over Crimea naval base, adding to the uh, the naval base. Adding to the strife was Yanukovych declining to join the EU since it would have to give up $160 billion in money from trade deals with Russia to lead to them joining NATO and have nuclear weapons on the Russian border of Crimea, home to one of Ru- which is home to one of Russia's largest naval bases. So this guy Yanukovych, he was the president of Ukraine in 2013. America and the EU was trying to get him to join the EU. But in doing so, he would have to give up $160 billion that his country was getting from Russia in trade deals. And they told him, you have to give those up. And they weren't promising any sort of trade deals in response to make up for that money. So he's like, well, I think Ukraine's going to stay neutral. So then he said that. And then as soon as he said that, oh, uh, America teamed up with a guy named Ola Tannibook, who was a fascist anti-Semitic, and he was in bed with the U.S., and they thought they could control him. And this girl, who was a U.S. ambassador named Victoria Newland, mm. was on the phone with people in Ukraine saying, yeah, let's, we're going to put him in charge. She was, you know? Corey, she was the assistant secretary of state. To Hillary Clinton. To Hillary Clinton. She was on the phone with the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Jeffrey Pyatt. Yeah, saying that, like, all right, who are we going to put in place afterwards? Yes. Yeah. Uh, And so they were deciding on a guy who was a Nazi because they thought they could control him, just like we did with the Taliban in Afghanistan. And uh, what's really funny is they were actually reaching out to Julian Assange, Hillary Clinton, and them were. And so uh, they asked Julian Assange, um, "Is how do you decide?" Or they're asking him like, "What ISPs they use? Like, how do you start a uh, a revolution in a country via the internet?" And he goes, uh, "So Julian Assange says to this this girl Schmidt, who was a very close confidant with Hillary Clinton, I'll give you an example of how not uh, our." So I'll give you an example of how not to choose them. So we dealt with a case in the Kakaos Islands where there was a great little group called the TCI Journal, the Turks and the Kakaos Islands Journal, which is sort of a the best case use case of the internet. So who are they? Well, they're a bunch of legal reformers, people going like so. Basically, he was giving them the rundown of like how you do this, but then he but they were trying to uh, say to him that we want to start a revolution there for democracy. Mm. And then he gave him this information. Always under the guise of a revolution. Right. But it was actually just a regime change. And uh, they they were hitting regime. So they were friends with him then. And they could use him. And then now, like, that's a whole other topic. We need to actually deep dive deep into the Julian Assange thing. But I don't think we're going to do that today. Not today. But it is interesting that uh, they would reach out to Julian Assange. (laughs) But yeah, so they were trying to get Yanukovych to leave the Russians, join the EU. Which was basically just a uh, an excuse for Ukraine to be admitted into NATO. Well, when They're in, when in get... reality, Corey, all Yanukovych was doing was doing what was best for his own country. Trading yeah. with the Russians, who are right next door. Mm-hmm. But as America so often does, we can't have that. We can't. We just cannot have uh, a, a nation that's... Uh, a, a, we can't have a sovereign nation doing it, doing what's best for a sovereign nation. That's impossible. Instead, yeah. instead, what we have to do is we have to we have to make sure that we get that group out of there, and do what's best for our nation, which is hundreds of thousands of miles away. Sorry, tens of thousands of miles away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, 
so when that didn't happen, you know, they got with the Nazi groups and then they, they started a coup. They created a bunch of, they, they got the coup started. And so when this coup actually started in Ukraine, Russia saw the writing on the wall that we are ousting a pro-Russian president in a sovereign country and trying to put in a new one that uh, would be more friendly towards the Western countries. But wait a minute, so when Corey. They were all wait a minute. And fighting, Before you continue with that, is there any proof that Yanukovych was pro-Russian or was he just a neutral guy who was going to trade with a very wealthy nation who's right next door to benefit his own people. You know, it's portrayed as quote unquote pro Russian. Well, okay. I won't, I would say that he was more pro Russian because when you look at Gallup polls, uh, in 2003, 2009, only around 20% of Ukrainians wanted NATO membership while around 55% opposed it. In 2020, a Gallup found whereas 17% of Ukrainians considered NATO to mean protection for your country. 40% said it was a threat to your country. Ukrainians predominantly saw NATO as an enemy, not a friend. Because it goes all the way back to, like, we're talking hundreds, thousands of years of history between Ukraine and uh, Russia. Even Crimea was a part of Russia from, like, the 1775 to, like, 1954, and Khrushchev gave it to Ukraine. I didn't look into why he did that. I'm assuming it was some sort of t- strategic planning. But uh, in June of 2013, before the Ukrainian coup started in 2014. Uh, NAVFAC, the U.S. Naval Facilities Engineering Command, published on its website a project description for renovation of School Number 5 in Sevastopol, Ukraine, which is where the biggest Russian military base is. So Russia has a military base in Ukraine that they have on lease for like another 50 years or something like that that they pay $100 million a year to Ukraine to use. And it was... And uh, the... The EU COM Humanitarian Assistance Program is the U is the U.S. European Command. It is purely military, not humanitarian at all. And the 124-page request for proposals showed extensive photos of the existing school and also toilets, floorboards, and other U.S.-made products that the U.S. regime was requiring to use to be used in the renovation. And that so basically, like they were setting all of this in the plans. They were getting all of this ready. And uh, in 2014, April 24th, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Crimea and Sevastopol almost unanimously voted to rejoin Russia. Crimea was voting to rejoin Russia. They liked Russia. They all spoke Russian. Um, during this coup that was happening, these far-right uh, Nazis that America was in bed with to take over the country were beating the shit out of Crimeans and like trying to like just to scare them off. And... Russia came in while the country was destabilized because of America, saw the writing on the wall of what America was trying to do with Ukraine, and snatched uh, Crimea back. So that's what happened with Crimea. So basically, so basically, what you're saying let, let me let me let me put this in layman's terms for uh, the other intellectual idiots like ourselves out there. Uh, what you're saying is the Russians didn't want a rival. Having a strategic nuclear weapon, nuclear weapon <laughs> and a strategic port right next to its borders. Is that what you're trying right. to say? A, is that basically what it is? Minute, yeah. With a five minute uh, airtime for a nuclear strike on Moscow where they wouldn't have any time to respond. So think about this. If you, if you, uh, let, let's, let's just put yourself in, in, in Russian shoes here for one second. Let's 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 forget about the geopolitical nonsense and about how Russia's bad and blah blah blah. 
Think about if Russia captured a port in Mexico off of the Gulf of California or 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 were in bed with the Mexicans and had control of a port off the Gulf of well, I California. Guess, well, I guess what it would be. Very close to San Diego. Would, would you be happy? Yeah. Absolutely not. I guess what it would be is if uh if Russia initiated a coup in Mexico to put in a pro-Russian president while also having a giant port about 150 miles away from San Diego. Would you feel happy about that? No. <laughs> we, they tried that once in Cuba. <laughs> we saw what happened. That, that. But that, and that's the whole point. Like you, you, We can always sit here and talk about the geopolitical, oh, we don't like Russia because, of their, you know, because they're not really a democracy. But we always forget to put ourselves in the shoes of the government in which we are encroaching upon. Right, like right. we can be ideologically different, and then because because I can already hear neocons screaming at me right now. Are you saying you're a communist? Are you pro communist? No, but I I do like to put myself in the shoes of somebody who is a communist who now has a capitalist right, right on his doorstep. You know what I mean? Like think about it the other way yeah. around. Yeah, I'm not pro communist. I'm just, or I'm not pro communist. I'm just anti interventionalist. Correct. That's uh, why didn't I say that? I'm an idiot. <laughs> You're an intellectual idiot, Dan. Don't <laughs> worry. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so that's what led up to all of this happening to where now there's the, uh, the pro Western country there in Ukraine. And that's why when Russia took over Crimea, Obama literally got his hand caught in the cookie jar because there was an a uh, an audio of a phone call that was leaked of a U.S. ambassador talking about, well, who are we going to put in charge when we take this guy out? And Russia released that. They caught it. They released it. And here's it the thing. All over it, the news. It's also it's available on YouTube. Like you can actually find yeah. this conversation. If Look you, up, uh, what's I'm, not, name? I'm not going to play it for you. Um, it <clears throat> is Victoria Newland. Just look up Victoria Newland, Jeffrey Pyatt. And you will find a four-minute and nineteen-second conversation between these two people about essentially arranging this coup in in Ukraine. Like it's it's readily available. Just go for yeah, it. Yeah, it's just it's insane to me, and it's uh, America just they wanted a strategic geopolitical base closer to Russia to keep the tabs on them, and Russia saw it from a mile away and as soon and he sat there and he and putin sat there and waited until america destabilized the whole country and he came in and just took a nice chunk of it for himself and all the crimeans were like well yeah because those people that the americans are backing are trying to kill us like there's videos of them blowing up buses of crimeans and killing crimeans they were anti-russian they're anti-semitic and so they all ran back to crimea and, and then russia came in and took crimea well, and that's why we didn't make a big deal of it, because if we were to actually go after Russia for Crimea, everything that we did would have been exposed. So we're just like, oh, well, bummer. Well, it's exposed and anyway. Crimea for, you know, seven years, and nobody is talking about trying to reunite Crimea with Ukraine. Everyone's just letting it slide, because in the geopolitical chess game of all these big powers, that was a tit-for-tat that uh, Russia countered with and kind of nix the whole thing because now so now that this is what's happening the now. conversation is russia's about to invade ukraine and it's just not 
Yeah. <laughs> so now isn't. everyone's saying that, well, a lot of the mainstream media is like, well, what's Russia doing putting all these troops on the border? I'll tell you what he was doing. He wanted to talk to, uh, to Biden. And so this whole little move, Biden and Putin both are going to be able to walk away from the table smiling. And here's why. Putin doesn't want Ukraine a part of the EU or NATO. The EU conversation because of Yanukovych is kind of out the window, but they're still talking about Ukraine joining NATO. But Biden is saying that Ukraine can't join NATO now because of corruption. Remember when we had a president uh, roughly four years ago talking about corruption in Ukraine? Which, by the way, and somehow he, involved Joe Biden and his son. Which yeah, is he really could have blew the he really could have blew the doors open on it, but instead he fucked up and made it a quid pro quo about him just trying to get down get Biden and make mm-hmm. it like a personal thing. Which he shouldn't have done. Like that could have been like a big deal, but instead he ran with this weird direction and everyone just let him because it would have tarnished the Obama presidency. Um so Ukraine was talking about wanting to join NATO. We said that they were corruption or they were corrupted, so they couldn't. So Putin put a bunch of soldiers on the border. He got his talk with Biden. Ukraine isn't joining NATO. Those are the two things that he wanted out of it. He put the 100,000 troops on a border and with no intention of invading. And I'll explain that in a second. But yeah, I can't wait to hear that. Talks to him. So Biden goes and talks to him. And then now Biden gets to walk away saying, I looked him right in the eyes and I said, listen here, Jack, (laughs) you're not invading Ukraine. And he makes himself that look. He's like, I was tougher than Trump on Russia. So he makes himself look good. Putin gets what he wants in the first place. He doesn't have to try to say he made himself look good or nothing. He just gets what he wants. But let me explain why he wasn't going to invade. First off, Ukraine is a corrupt like virtually third world country when it comes to EU to European standards when it comes to Western countries. Um, you know, like GDP, it continues to go down there. They're on a slide. They're just not doing good. There is no interest for Russia to try to deal with this corruption and uh, invade a foreign country, even if a lot of them do are pro-Russian. There's no reason for them to get themselves into a quagmire like that. Um, if you're going to invade a country, we've all played risk. We know that the basic rules of like military st- strategy is if you're going to attack on the offensive, the ratio that you typically want for logistics, uh, battle planning, and all of that is like a three to one ratio. Like if it's a te- if it's a country that's defending, the defending team needs way less soldiers because they don't have to be stationary. They just have to sit on a border, protect themselves. All of their logistics in their country is already established. Um, they know their home turf. The odds in the defending country are always in your favor. Why would Putin plan to invade a country with 300,000 soldiers with 100,000? We're talking about a guy who is very strategically smart in a battle plan. Do I like Putin? No. He's a communist. You know, he's an oligarch. You know, but he's not dumb. He's not going to invade. He's not an oligarch. He's an authoritarian. An authoritarian. He's a dictator. He's an oligarch, too. He makes buku bucks off of their country. Yeah, but an um, oligarch would imply that there's a group. That's true. Maybe it's not. Yeah, it's it's a moligarch. Is that a word? Yeah, a monogarch. 
We just invented it. There we go. Uh, But yeah, like he never had any intentions. He was just putting pressure on the West so he can actually talk to them and tell them, hey, listen, you don't let these people join NATO. Yeah, but in, 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 in America, gets in American the American propaganda gets to use it as another reason to be afraid. You got to be afraid of Russia. You got to be afraid of Russia. But they do the same thing over in Russia. You got to be afraid of America. We're running out of time here, Corey. We are, but it's it, almost, it does. It cracks me up. It's it almost Christmas Eve. These two are just constantly <laughs> going back and forth with each other. It is almost Christmas Eve. But it is. It's a giant chessboard, and they use all these countries as geopolitical little pawns to yeah, move yeah. around and do it. And I'll be honest, like watch, like reading about that and getting that context of Putin just sliding in and taking Crimea, all of Eastern like, Europe. Yeah, that was a good one. All of the Middle East, save for Israel, uh, all of Central America, save for Mexico, and a lot of South America are all just these little pieces that the United States, China, and Russia all kind of use to play their little game with each other. Yeah. And make their own people fearful of the other teams, I guess, is what I would say. Yeah, it's like 1984 with Eurasia and what was the other one? Eurasia and West Asia, I think. And they were constantly at war with one, but then they weren't, and there was the other one. And then in terms, they were always on team, and they kept erasing the history and changing shit up and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, Ukraine, uh, Russia isn't going to invade Ukraine. I'll put $100 on it right yeah. now. Uh, it's just posturing. Is that available on DraftKings? Let me check. Can we bet on that? <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> three to one is it three to one odd it's probably a lot longer than that uh do you before i get yeah, into no. my monologue quickly though do you want do you want to talk about this kim potter conviction because we, we we keep talking about these trials and I, I think this one's pretty significant that one is a significant one you know it's it's a sad one kind of i can kind of see everybody like, loses everybody loses yeah. so she got charged with manslaughter which I think is a justifiable cause. She was the one uh, for people who can't remember. Kim Potter was the police officer that you, we saw the viral video of a of a young man named Dante Wright who was, I believe, he was in the driver's side of the car, and she pulled out her firearm, thinking that it was a taser, and said "taser, taser, taser," and then shot him. Yep. Um, and it was this whole he was pulled over, I think, yeah. because he had something hanging from the windshield. Which I think is bullshit in the first place. Yeah. I think that those uh those catch 'em those catch 'em tickets, you know, are absolute garbage. He probably shouldn't have been pulled over something trivial like that in the first place. But he also probably shouldn't have tried to run. You know, um it's but like we know Easy for a white guy to say, Corey. Yeah, I guess so. I get like Obviously, because cases like this happen, there is a fear instilled in certain people that uh, <laughs> that they think that the police are out to kill them, as evidenced by this very case. Mm. Um, but less police interaction in the first place is what I'm trying to like get at. Like, we probably shouldn't have all this police interaction with people over trivial things that end up in death. Arbitrary police- laws, like tinting yeah. laws, that kind of thing, like. Yeah, your tint, every police, tint on your window is too dark, so I pulled you over. Right. If every police interaction has uh, the chance of going south and somebody dying over something very trivial, we should have less of them. Then the, what we should be focusing on in our country is having less of those interactions. They could both be alive if there wasn't a bullshit law over something like that in his windshield. I don't think he had a warrant or anything. He might have. I didn't look into that. Um, 
But uh, I think that the the manslaughter, you know, the manslaughter uh, conviction. What the jury found with manslaughter, the manslaughter conviction, yeah, is warranted. It wasn't a murder. Police are taught when they use their firearm to shoot until the threat is down. When you see videos of other people being shot, it literally is like pop, 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 pop. Mm-hmm. You know, there's seven or eight shots. A taser is what you pull the trigger once. Mm-hmm. She yelled, taser, taser, taser. She pulled the trigger, shot him once. Didn't shoot him more than once. She didn't just keep pulling it. She shot it once. And then she immediately did jump to try to give the poor kid CPR and stuff like that. But when you're supposed to be a trained person in the uh, in, in law enforcement, you're not supposed to make those mistakes. Mm-mm. And it's negligence. It's a pretty, it's a pretty goddamn egregious mistake. And I can like, like I'm with you, Corey. I can believe that it was a mistake, but, but when you're put in that situation you, and you're trained, and you you got to know the difference between yeah, your taser a, and your gun. There's a certain standard for you that we could only hope that it runs back to our whole uh, conversation about Congress. There's a certain standard we put on you that we could only hope that you're held to at a higher standard than the rest of us. And I, she hasn't been sentenced yet. Um, from what I've seen, still completely distraught about. Like, I I can just... You can just tell she she feels awful. Like, she did not want to kill that kid that day. Yeah, like, it w- and she feels awful not because she's getting in trouble. Not because she, she got caught, but because, because she, she genuinely feels awful. feels awful about what she did. Yeah. You know, she was like, shots fired, and like you could hear it in her voice. She immediately tried to get him CPR and tried to save the kid's life. She didn't yeah. let him sit there and bleed out like we've seen all these other cases. Nobody's just and the thing, and the other thing that's interesting about this, it was a, a jury of six men, six women, all white, all white. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I and 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 I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure if I scoured the internet or scoured social media enough, like somehow there's going to be some sort of racial argument about this. But I'm sorry, it's just not there. It's not there. She was convicted. She was convicted for for a crime that, you know, an unfortunate crime that she committed. She was convicted by a jury of her peers, and God damn it, were they her peers because they were all white. Right. So it's, you know, that that angle just doesn't exist in this one, as far as I'm concerned. The only angle that exists is, you know, white cop killed a black kid. You know, that sucks. Which happens way too often. Of course. Let's be honest. But yeah, I think the manslaughter charge is warranted. Uh, she was negligent. She shot a guy with her gun when it was supposed to be a taser. There was no race involved. Mm-mm. There was no ill intention. The actual... I mean, I guess the only way you could say that race was involved was that it was you know a white cop with the encounter of a, of a black kid who was... You know, we can't get into the kid's head, right? He's dead. We don't know why he was afraid. We don't know why, you know, he he, he can't defend himself. He can't say, well, this is why I decided to get scared. But we can all, right. we can all, regardless of your race, we can all, you should be able to understand by now why young black men are afraid of cops. I mean, there's obvious reasons for why that's, why that's the case. And you, you can make excuses and say right. that that shouldn't be the case if you d- decide not to pay attention. Because you're a fucking bootlicker, that's up to you. But at the end of the day, it's pretty easy to see. It's it's easy to see how this situation happened, which is sad. Does if that makes sense? Right. It shouldn't be easy to see. Yeah, it's it's sad all around. Now we lost uh, a kid needlessly lost his life because 
a cop was trying to stop him from running. And she used the wrong tool to do that. And so I'm looking at the, the I'm looking at the manslaughter definition right now. And it is the crime of killing a human being without malice aforethought or otherwise in circumstances not amounting to murder. So it sounds like it was the the right thing, you know? It's like when you're on the line of duty and people are entrusting you to serve and protect, that bullet could have easily just missed because you thought it was a taser and killed someone across the street. Mm-hmm. It could have done so many other things, and it's just it's just negligence. Yeah. You know what's funny is like, and and I know people. Th- th- there might be people out there that would say that I can't, that I shouldn't feel this. I I I feel bad for her. I feel bad for her that that yeah, that that, that, that happened. Her. I feel bad for Dante Wright's family. It's yeah, just of this one was just sad all around. It sucked for everyone. There isn't like there's no. E- I don't think there's an evil person in this. Yeah, this isn't. This some, isn't Derek uh, Chauvin. Derek Chauvin. Yeah, yep. <laughs> this isn't Derek Chauvin. This isn't the officers who choked out. Uh, what was his name? Freddie Gray. Yeah. You know, Eric Garner type shit. Like this isn't any of that. Yeah. This isn't George Floyd. This one was just a sad one. And unfortunately, when you take up the responsibility of putting that badge on your chest, heavy, heavy is the crown. Should we get to the happiness of my monologue before we end this show? Yeah, let's spread some Christmas cheer. Some Christmas cheer. Not allowed to say Christmas. I'm kidding. Let's spread some. It's a festivist for the rest of us. We're, it is. It is. It is. It is festivist. How did I forget that? Yeah, happy festivist, everyone. <laughs> By the time you're listening we've been to this, airing our grievances all day. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be at least Christmas Eve, if not after. But uh, we're finally winning the real war against Christmas, Corey Walsh. We the people are finally getting the leg up in the war against Christmas. The people that are responsible for the horrific attack on the most joyous time of the year are finally understanding their nonsense simply will no longer be tolerated. The attacks on our people's traditions and ability to celebrate with our loved ones are no longer going unanswered. And I'm not talking about Starbucks cups. I'm not talking about inclusivity. Or whether or not you choose to omit the traditional greeting of Merry Christmas for something more contemporary like Happy Holidays. I'm talking about squawking parrots like Sean Hannity telling you that liberals consider Christmas trees to be evil symbols of the religious right. I'm not talking about sexless prudes that probably can't find their own clitorises like Lauren Ingram suggesting that Starbucks is run by a satanic sex cult trying to lure children away from holiday joy in Jesus in the name of debauchery and sodomy. (laughs) Okay, that that last one may have been a small exaggeration, but seriously, who doesn't fucking hate Laura Ingram? Not the clitoris part, by the way. I, I'm really not sure she knows what that button does. I'm talking about the monopolistic corporations and oligarchs that have been robbing families of Christmas joy for decades on end. The people at the top of the chain that have reinvented a phrase that we haven't heard since Rockefeller and Carnegie were literally working people to death. I'm talking about the phrase, the working poor. Think about this Think about that phrase for a moment and the fact that it's it's able to slide off the tongues of progressive politicians like Bernie Sanders so easily as he and few others attempt to fight 
the very institutions that brought that phrase back in vogue in 2021. The good news here is that the year 21 is, 2021 has given us a lot of hope. While supply chain issues and long lines have made our overly convenient lives a little less comfortable for the past year, it's a small price to pay to know that the working individual has decided to seize what little power it can to fight for a better life for themselves and their families. With mass strikes, attempts to unionize, and even folks taking a huge risk by walking off the job with no idea where they'll go next. The extra time with their family will at least ensure an old-fashioned Merry Christmas. Thousands of workers from Frito-Lay, Nabisco, Kellogg's, John Deere, Walmart, Burger King, Family Dollar, New York University, Harvard, Frontier Communications, and many more held walkouts and even short-term strikes, with John Deere even deciding to place its white-collar workers on the production line with disastrous results. As we look back at the COVID-19 pandemic, we, offer, we often hear about the horror. We hear about the millions that have been seriously injured and killed by the virus. We hear constant news about the uptick in alcoholism, addiction, suicide, and overall mental breakdowns due to the isolation of silly lockdowns and isolation that has had almost has done almost nothing to curb the virus. We hear about families dividing themselves on their feelings about the vaccine and about the evils that come from getting or not getting the poke. But we hear so little of the good that has come out of this tragedy. Working people coming to the collective realization that they are worth something after being told for months how, quote, important they are, how much they are appreciated, and how they are, quote, essential, all without a raise in minimum wage, paid sick leave, extra vacation time, or even legitimate health care. Seems like corporate America may have overplayed its hand here, and with every burning forest eventually comes new growth. As you finish your Christmas dinner and escort your loved ones out the door before going to bed and waking up to make your returns and spend your gift cards, remember that the, real t- the, that the retail worker you're encountering isn't your bitch. Remember that the item that you're looking for may not be on the shelf for good or noble reasons. Be supportive of those close to you that choose to walk away from their job in search of something better and more fulfilling instead of saying, well, nobody wants to work anymore. The war on Christmas hasn't been won just yet, but 2021 was a well-fought battle. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Happy 2022. There we go. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting to see how right now with all the all the people actually going out and fighting against the corporatism and the I mean because it's a well actually Fauci wouldn't like that one bit. <laughs> you're telling everyone to stick with their families. <laughs> yeah, we have to uh, we have to isolate ourselves some more. And that and that and that even goes back to the painting that we talked about in How Woke Is Too Woke. Like the the, the painting of this of this I'm I don't know 
a, a person. I don't know if it's a man, a woman, a, a them, a they, a zim, a zur. I don't really give a shit. But standing there in in uh, a they them, we'll just call it. Would it be safer to say a they them? Standing outside of a, a a diner with with covered in PPE, staring at these people having a good time. It's like. A lot of those comments were like, oh, my God, that would be me standing outside in my PPE. It's like, do you understand that, like, that painting is just a shitty situation? Because on the one hand, yeah, people could be inside taking a calculated risk, spreading COVID for their own mental health. Meanwhile, outside, you have a person who is covered in PPE, protecting their own uh, physical health at perhaps the behest of their mental health. And I think that's where, that's where we, that's just where we get so lost. And that's why I'm so proud of these workers. And yeah, you know what? It sucks that I go to the store looking for something and I can't find it because it's not there. But I don't bitch about it. I don't bitch at the retail worker. I don't complain to the, to the manager. Why don't you have this? As A, I know there's nothing the manager can do about it. You know, I'm in sales and I got people. I get people pitching to me all the time about, what do you mean you don't have it in stock? I mean, I don't fucking have it in stock, dude. I can't send you something I don't have. I wish I could. Right. Uh, But that's what what you get. It's it's the the, the selfishness that is supposed to be not what the holiday season is all about is should be coming to fruition more so right now, which is that. Right. Yeah. And it sucks that it's a, it takes a pandemic for people to realize how important their family is to them. And how important like people like loved ones are and stuff that are close to you. And it's and, and it's, it's and, and it's one of those the commercialism. It's that interesting dichotomy too of like, well, we have to save the old people. And it's like, well, at what at what cost? If you just leave grandma alone in the nursing home for two and a half years without going to see her because you're afraid you're gonna give her COVID. Those might have been the last two and a half years of her life. Yeah. Oh, she survived. Yay, grandma survived. But when's the last time you saw her? Exactly. Two years ago. Calculated risk. Calculated risk. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with with COVID, and that's that's and 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 I think these quote unquote essential workers are the first to be like, yeah, life's too fucking short for me to sit here and make eight dollars an hour and be unappreciated. You can tell me I'm essential all you want, but what are you going to do to show me that I'm essential? And they're going out right. and they're saying and they're, and they're forcing hands, and I dig it. Oh yeah, no, I love the what's going on right now. Like we might actually see a lot of stores closed on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day because the workers are telling them to kick rocks. I mean, look at what happened uh, with Thanksgiving. For the first time ever, like with Black Friday, like Target, I think actually closed on Thanksgiving and yeah. didn't have their workers there, not spending time with their families. Instead, working, they were actually home with their families. Oh, but we'll pay you which time is and a we half. Haven't seen in like fifteen years. What's time and a half? Fourteen bucks an hour. And no, here's the thing too. Like what? Here's the thing too, because I've experienced this in my past. It's not always about the fucking money, dude. It's not always about the money. Like you, you can like I, I've had bosses say, uh, "I'll pay you this much more if you don't leave." It's like it's dude. It's how I'm treated around here. It's not. It's not necessarily about what you're paying me. You can't pay well, me enough the, to put up with the bullshit that you put what's me through. The thing, uh, People don't technically quit jobs, they quit managers. They quit managers, they quit bosses, 100%. Yeah. I think that's it, Corey. I think we can think end this show. It. We can wish we everybody a Merry else. Holidays. Yeah, I mean, we kind of covered everything we wanted to. We got the Sarah Silverman thing, we got the Trump thing, we got Ukraine, the corruption in our government. And we'll have... Uh, seconds. We'll have our, our final show of 2021 coming up 
next week. Corey, where can exactly. the people find us? All right, guys. So listen, come check us out. We're on we're on Facebook at Libservative at Libservative. We're on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Libservative Pod. Our WordPress is libservativepodcast at wordpress.com. We're on Twitch. You can find us streaming there. Um, if you want to reach us directly, it's libservativepod at gmail.com. Uh, tell a friend, like, share, and follow our pages. We're constantly updating our stuff with new Twitter feed, with uh, new, tweet, new tweets, new uh, articles that we actually talk about on the show. We're trying to build a community here where all of us intellectual idiots can get together and try to figure out the bullshit that the government's trying to overcomplicate for no reason, just to keep us in the dark. Um, if you like what you hear on the show uh, and you want to tell a friend about it, just make sure you tell them where you heard it. And for now, I'm uh, Corey Walsh. Wait, you fucked that up. He's Corey Walsh. Oh, yeah, and he's Dan Griffin. I'm sorry. <laughs> After all the times we've done Christmas, this. Merry Christmas, you fox. Happy Festivus <laughs> to the rest of us. Happy holidays. Enjoy yourselves out there. Again, do calculated risks. Be safe. I don't want to see a spike. I don't want to see people die over needless things. Let's just be careful out there. It's true. But don't do it to the point where you're not going to see Grandma for the last Christmas. She might be around, regardless of COVID. This has been Libservative. And we are out of here.